Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from folklore and mythology all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Zoe. And Lizzie, how are you today? I'm fine. Um, switching up a bit with the intro. <laughs> Did I? Folklore and mythology. We usually say mythology and folklore. Instead of mythology and folklore? Oh no, I was so distracted because before we were recording, we were singing random songs and i was trying not to i I was just completely thrown off by that um yeah so that was fun um i don't know what was it oh yes we were singing i dreamed a dream from les mis that was people don't need to know that we're lame by the way it's almost our two-year anniversary like when this episode airs it'll have been a couple of days ago is it our two is it two years or three years two years oh wow 2020 Right, 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 right. <laughs> Pandemic. Wow. Well, happy two-year anniversary to us. We are doing nothing to celebrate, um, <laughs> except still existing. Yeah, good for us. So, yeah. Uh, if you want to help us celebrate our two-year anniversary, <laughs> um, you should donate to our Kofi. Give us money. Give us some money. Yeah. I think it's awesome we've been doing this for two years. Like, good for us. Yeah, it's very impressive. 60-plus episodes. Um, it's great. Yeah, 64, 64 in episodes. <laughs> it's a nice round number for um, two years, I would say. Mm. Eight squared. Yeah, mm. it's divisible by two. <laughs> but yeah, I'm back at college. I'm recording in my good old soundproof room in the library. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, so as I said before, uh, before we begin, we have a Kofi. You can donate to that. Uh, with a one-time or recurring donation and listen to our bonus episodes. Our bonus episodes are also available on Spotify for a monthly donation of $4.99 a month. And yeah, they're really fun episodes. We've got three of them now. We talk about various different pieces of literature, such as um, Daughter of the Moon Goddess, A Thousand Ships, and of course now Stregonona, everyone's favorite children's book. Um, so yeah, check that out if you so desire. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, Lizzie, who are we talking about today? So, since it's Halloween season, mm-hmm. I decided to talk about someone kind of Halloween spooky themed. And it's also Good. someone we've talked about before, actually, but not in depth. Really? Yes. We, okay. we have talked about her actually in two episodes. And, two episodes? And she is Yama Uba. Yama. Oh, yes. I remember her. Yeah. So what do you... What was the other episode we talked about her in? Crones and Yokai. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, she's an old woman, obviously, if we talked about her in the Crones episode. And she's Japanese, if we talked about her in the Yokai episode. Um, Is she the one who lives in the mountains? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lives in the mountains, has a hut, invites people in, probably feels like the standard for... I mean, occasionally, I guess, but that's not like the main thing. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, very fun. Yeah. Is that all? Do you remember anything else about her? No. Does okay. she grow really large? No. She's not the skeleton one. Okay, cool. <laughs> no. 
Anyway, so that was a different one. Okay, cool. Anyways, yeah. So got our yokai episode for the skeleton lady. <laughs> Anyways, yes. Tell me about her. So a yamauba is a type of female yokai associated with mountains, and um, mm-hmm. we've talked about yokai before. For example, in the yokai episode. But yes. um, for those who don't know, a yokai is a supernatural being or phenomenon in Japanese folklore. The term is broad and includes human and animal spirits, plants, objects, natural phenomena, or anything that can't be easily explained. Cool. Before the Muromachi period, which was from 1336 to 1573, the majority of shape-shifting yokai took male forms when they appeared in front of humans, but after the Onin War, which took place 1467 to 1477, female yokai became far more common and appeared much more prevalently in these stories. Hmm. Do you know why? There are a couple of proposed reasons for this. Okay. The historian Ema Tsutomu wrote in 1923, that the reason for this involved the fact that in the early modern period, ghosts were motivated by passions or grudges, which were traits mm-hmm. more commonly associated with women. You know? Of course. Obviously. That's what I always say. And so when yokai associated with animals, plants, or tools became personified, being female made it easier for them to trick men. So just basically, like, women are jealous and irrational, so they make good spirits, you know? Um, of course. And that's that's one explanation. Another one is that because women tended to play the role of messengers between the worlds in stories, it was easier for them to become yokai, particularly since women are more strongly attuned to the spirit realm than men. So just women nice. are more spiritual. And Noriko Ryder, who wrote the book Mountain Witches about Yamauba, side note, I found this book in a Barnes & Noble, and I saw it and I was like, oh... I can make a whole episode about it. This was months ago. So I'm excited to actually... Yeah, I saw it on a shelf in Barnes & Noble. And it's a good book, by the way. Um, Nice. I was the fourth person to give it a rating on Goodreads, so that was fun. Wow. Anyway, though. Fancy. So I used that source a lot for this episode. So she speculates that the reason for more female yokai had more to do with societal changes surrounding women in Japan. Women's rights were really dismal in early modern Japan, so women probably found their emotional outlet in such ghostly, demonic figures. Cool. And also, similarly, men's feelings towards women may also have increased the number of female yokai. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there there could be misogyny involved, but there could also be, like, women using such stories as, like, outlets to express their hardships, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so etymology... So Yamauba consists of two characters, Yama, which means mountain, and Uba, which means old woman. Nice. And she's sometimes called Yamanba or Yamamba, which both those like nasalized forms are more common in the performing arts, you know, like in plays. Whereas Interesting. The, yeah, whereas Yamauba is typical when referring to folklore. Mm-hmm. So Yamauba is not one figure, but a type of figure that's found in different forms across many different types of folktales. She has many different attributes and associations, which we're going to talk about more, but the only two attributes that always appear in her stories, she's always a woman, and she's always associated with mountains. So she's not always old. She's almost always old, but every so often there's some kind of more glamorized figure. She's but like the but, young, sexy. Woman. Yeah, yeah, but some some yeah. Usually she's an old woman, like almost always. Uh huh. Which like her name means mountain witch or old woman in the mountains. So like, uh huh. Those are the two pieces yeah, of information yeah, yeah. that are in her name. You know. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's somewhat of a given. But also, yeah, mm-hmm. mountains are viewed as the dwelling places of spirits and entrances to the other world and are liminal mm-hmm. spaces. There are many stories of people going to the mountains and having strange and disorienting experiences. And as we'll talk more about in a bit, there was also folk beliefs of people abandoning old people, particularly old women, in the mountains to die. Mm -hmm. And so the mountains as liminal spaces, is that like in general culture? Is that like something specifically in Japanese culture? I feel like like it's a general, but it's certainly in in the context I'm talking about, it is certainly a belief Mm -hmm. from Japanese, you know, ancient medieval and early modern folk beliefs. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like, Mountains are scary, you know? Oh, they're so dangerous. Yeah. And, like, so so weird things would happen to people on mountains. And Mm -hmm. also, I mean, just... I mean, mountains are really, like, intimidating and and scary. Yeah, I mean, I think especially before, like, modern technology advances with roads and, like, safer climbing equipment, it's not uncommon to go into the mountains and just never come back. Yeah, but also, like, in Japan, there's folk beliefs associated with, like... Mountains are places where there's ancestor spirits and that kind Mm. of thing. Yeah, very cool. So it is Japanese-specific, but also not just, really. I feel like mountains are kind of liminal in general, right? Yeah. In some ways. I mean, like, if you're on a mountain in the modern day, like, it can still be kind of, like, scary, right? For sure, for sure, yeah. Anyway, though, mountains are commonly associated with spirits and supernatural phenomena. And there's also an association with old women, Like, so there's evidence already from the medieval and ancient periods in Japan of beliefs of something eerie lurking in mountains. Ooh. And... Love that. Yeah. And there's also evidence dating really far back of people's fears of an old, strange woman living in the mountains. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just think that's so fun. I know. (laughs) And spooky. The term Yamauba is first tested shortly before the Onin War, so before 1467, like shortly before that. But there are also descriptions of Yamauba-esque figures many centuries earlier. So, like, she, or, like, Yamauba existed before she, like, Mm -hmm. had a name, you know? Mm. Which Noriko Ryder speculates that the reason that the term Yamauba came into being around this period is because such women in the mountains, whether real or not, became more visible during this period. Particularly by travelers and religious practitioners, people were traveling more Mm. during this period in general due to the country's expansion, Mm -hmm. and people were suddenly crossing mountains much more frequently to go to unknown places. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And side note, like, religious practitioners in, in specific were a lot of the people who transmitted such stories around this time. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, you're traveling Ooh. a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they are the people who are going to yeah. be traveling the most compared to, like... Yeah, and they're occasionally the protagonists of these stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so there was more chances to come across such a creature as the Yamauba. So she needed a more specific name, where before she would have just been referred to as an Oni. Which, Oni mm. is another term to describe supernatural creatures, like yokai. The difference is that... They have a more negative and malevolent association. So an explanation that I saw, supernatural entities that are worshipped are called kami. Those who are not worshipped are called yokai. And yokai with strong negative associations are oni. So yeah, oni are not worshipped and they're scary and evil. Mm -hmm. And Yamauba is often considered to be a female oni, but there are also some things that set her apart. Like oni oni women are often depicted as jealous and also with horns on their head um, whereas Yamauba is not considered vengeful. And she's usually not depicted with horns. Like, sometimes you'll see that, but usually mm-hmm. she just looks like a kind of a scary old woman. Like, haggard, 
hair, like lots of wrinkles. Occasionally you'll see like fangs, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. One of Yamauba's most conspicuous traits is their association with eating people. Nice. Yeah, there are several stories associating Yamauba with eating people. So this first story is called Three Charms. A Buddhist monk in a mountain temple gives a boy three charms to protect himself. As he leaves, an old woman invites him into her house for the night. During the night, the boy peeks into her room and sees that she has taken a monstrous shape. Realizes that he's, she's like mm-hmm. Yamauba, yeah. you know, and she tries to eat him. Yeah. But, oh, is that it? No, there's more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, but. <laughs> he uses the three charms, each of which delay her, and then she makes it to the Buddhist temple and the monk shuts the gate and kills her. So, nice. but also yeah. in some versions of that story, the Buddhist monk challenges her to a disguise contest. She turns herself Ooh. into a bean and then the monk eats her. That's incredible. I love it. It reminds me of Puss in Boots. It, yeah, it totally does, right? Yeah, which is, it is fun, yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. in that story, it shows her man-eating qualities and her powers of transformation. But it also depicts her as simple-minded since she's able to be easily outwitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this next story is called um, The Wife Who Does Not Eat. So, a man mutters to himself one day that he wants a wife who does not eat. Okay, well, screw that guy. I know. First of all. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. Um, I hate know. him already. Yeah, he's like, not likable okay. so far. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, this premise is bad and I don't like it. <laughs> and so soon a woman appears at his house and says that since she doesn't eat, she would like to be his wife. The man marries her, but then when he leaves the house, she eats ravenously using a mouth at the back of her head. Nice. Which she keeps hidden during the day. When the man finds out the truth, she reveals her true appearance as a Yamauba and she throws him into a tub, which she carries on her head towards the mountains. The man is able to escape and kills her by throwing mugwort and iris at her. Okay, well, boo, hiss. I know. Um, that guy should be eaten. <laughs> that guy deserves to be eaten. It shows her powers of transformation again and her man-eating tendencies and also depicts her with a ravenous appetite. Yeah, it's just a, that's a fascinating little story, like, gender dynamics-wise. I doesn't actually mention that she was going to eat him. Anyway. <laughs> I, I feel like it's implied. Yeah. Like, she's putting him in a tub of water, you know? Oh, yeah, Like, fair. what's she going to do besides boil him? True. It's, 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 it's implied, but it's not stated. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so this next story is called The Ox Leader and the, and the Yamauba. A Yamauba approaches a man carrying fish in his ox cart. And then the man is carrying fish in his ox cart. And she demands the mm-hmm. fish and then the ox for her to eat. And after she eats mm-hmm. those, she sets her sights on eating the man. He ends up okay. escaping and killing her. So... Mm. It's fun how each of these have escapes because then it's like they survive. Yeah, to they, tell yeah, the exactly. Story they, they survive to tell the tale. Otherwise, how would we know yeah, the story? That's <laughs> yeah, scary stories like these, you know, are able to spread as like I escaped. Yeah, exactly. So I can tell you about this horrifying monster. You know, mm-hmm. so fun. And yeah, and the last <laughs> two stories in particular, the wife who does not eat and the ox leader and the Yamauba, show a preoccupation with the dangers of female consumption. Yeah, which like very interesting. Yeah, Noriko Ryder points out that such fears can be a product of memories of famine in villages. Like it's mm. difficult to feed everyone. Mm-hmm but it can also be a product of suppressed female desire for food. Yeah. This is especially relevant because in Japan, especially for women, having too big an appetite is frowned upon. Uh-huh. Which I, yeah. you de- definitely came across in the story, you know? Yeah, I mean... People have to eat, like... The fact that a guy is, like, 
I want a wife who doesn't eat. And that's just like, okay, cool. That's a normal thing to say. That's not possible. That's That's not biological. Yeah. Like, other guys are like, yeah, man, me too, you know? Yeah. Like, that sounds great is like, hello? There's something going on It's so annoying having to feed women. And it's like, you're not even feeding her, probably. She's probably the one who's cooking. So, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, then there can be famine things of like, oh, if I had a wife that didn't eat, then we wouldn't have to worry about feeding her. Then it's like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How do you think that people work? Like. They're not going to survive if they don't. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I feel it's like... a story. It's a story. Logic doesn't apply always. Anyways. I mean, like, it, like, it exemplifies this sort of female scary creatures often kind of personify fears about women. Like, women should not eat too much. Yeah. And there's this woman who has a mouth at the back of her head and eats a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's super scary. Yeah, absolutely. And then the fear of if we take the assumption that at the end of that story, the woman is going to eat him. The fear of being consumed by your yeah. wife is like <laughs> because if a woman eats, that sucks. Or if even if it's like a metaphorical consumption of like the wife is too much, yeah, and it and like overtakes you, whether in like you know a physical way of like oh she literally will kill you and eat you, or a metaphorical way of like she is stronger than you, she is funnier than you, smarter than you, more charismatic than you, you know whatever. Because yeah, like, you should always be better than your wife because women are yeah terrible. Because women are naturally inferior. Yeah. And so if you're not better than your wife, then something is wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And women shouldn't have needs also. Yeah, exactly. That's what I always say. Yeah, exactly. So the next aspect we're going to talk about is her position as a positive figure and particularly as a magical helper, which is fun. Oh, okay. Can I just say big Baba Yaga vibes? Yeah, already. no, yeah, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so this story is called Komebuku and Awabuku. So, Komebuku's stepmother sends her and her stepsister, who's called Awabuku, to the mountain to fill bags with chestnuts. Mm-hmm. But she gives Komebuku a bag with holes and then a regular to Awabuku. And mm-hmm. the two lose their way back from the mountain, and they find a house that turns out to be Yamauba's house. She lets them in and allows them to hide in her house because an oni lives nearby, and so thus she saves their lives. Mm-hmm. She also so she also asks them to help remove the lice on her head, and oh my gosh, Kamebuku <laughs> helps her, but Awabuku does not. Classic. I see. And when they leave, the Yamauba gives Kamebuku a treasure box and Awabuku some roasted beans. Later, the stepmother takes Awabuku to to a play, you know, to the theater, but makes Kamebuku nice. stay and do chores. Mm. And Komebuku finishes the tasks with help of a traveling priest and a sparrow mm. and goes to the play wearing beautiful clothes from the treasure box that Yamauba gave her. And then a young man uh-huh, falls in uh-huh. love with her and uh-huh, they get married. Uh-huh. And then this uh-huh. and then the stepmother and sister fall into a stream and turn into mud snails. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Cinderella vibes. Yeah, Cinderella it's like Cinderella literally vibes. ticking off, I think, all of the different aspects of a Cinderella yeah. story. Like, there's, Except there's no slipper test, but besides oh, that. Oh, yeah. Besides that, um, there's like yeah. there's the magical helper. There's the... A girl is abused by her family. Stepmother, stepsister. Yeah. yeah. And there's the falling in love with a... Well, I don't know. He's probably not a prince, but like a wealthy a man. A nice guy. You know? And yeah. getting married. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like that's pretty fun. I love whenever fairy tales are like, and then these people had this really awful dramatic. Yeah, they turned into snails. They suck. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, 
pettiness we 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 don't forgive here yeah totally (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's so funny and so this next story kind of similar is called a blossom princess Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. the heroine of the story blossom princess is treated horribly by her stepmother and one day she comes across yamauba's dwelling in a cave in the mountains and the yamauba tells blossom princess that her husband is an oni and hides her from him so she does not get eaten interesting and she also gives her directions of where to go and she also gets her treasures that save her later on in the story. Nice. And something interesting about the story is that later on, Blossom Princess and her family hold a memorial service for the Yamauba so that she can finally rest in peace. Because nice. the Yamauba in this story wasn't Oni because she didn't have anybody to pray for her since Oni are thought to be unattended souls. And Aww. that's why they roam the world harming people. That's so sad. Yeah, so like them giving her a memorial is... Like, extremely kind. Mm-hmm. But also in the story, the Yamauba is given a fearful appearance, and Blossom Princess is scared of her at first, but in spite of her appearance, she's portrayed as helpful and nice. So, yeah, it's a nice story. That's interesting, yeah. It's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and then something to note about these stories, as opposed to many of the other Yamauba stories, is that Yamauba is a figure who's bound to a house, whereas stories of her more malicious side tend to take place elsewhere. Huh. Out in the wild, you know? Interesting. Yeah. She's benevolent when she stays in the house, but she's evil when she ventures out into the world. Which... I see. Yeah, it's in line of the kind of historical views of women around this time. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, women were meant to stay in the house... And yeah. the housebound Yamauba is nice usually. Yeah, she's she's doing her womanly duty. She's taking care of the people yeah. that come by. Yeah. Which is which is an interesting like aspect. I mean Yeah. Like if you stay in the house and you're nice, like that's great for a woman, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And when especially like goes out to like seek whatever for herself, food, amusement, then she becomes evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Another attribute that's kind of more positive is her associations with fertility and weaving. Interesting. Yeah, and like weaving is often associated with fertility, just in general. So a story from 1460 from a Zen priest states that a Yamauba gave birth to four children, and they were called Good Spring, Summer Rain, Good Autumn, and Winter Rain. And then the abundant rainfall from that year was said to be because of her fertility, like her having those four children. Hmm. Which, yeah, so that's interesting because it gives kind of the impression of like a fertility goddess, you know? Mm-hmm. And the naming of the children, like they're not just called spring, summer, autumn, winter. They're like mm-hmm. good spring, good autumn, you know, which kind of suggests yeah. a, a hope or like a prayer for good weather for the coming year, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's also a belief in rural areas that there was a mountain deity that gave birth to 12 children every year. Mm. And yeah, those children symbolized the 12 months of the year. And then she was therefore known as Mrs. Twelve. Which is nice. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And there's other stories that associate her with childbirth and fertility in various ways. Like there's one where the Yamauba would babysit children while spinning yarn. Until one day she ate a child and the family killed her. Oh. Oops. I guess. Yeah. She's also sometimes associated with midwifery. Fascinating. Yeah. Sometimes. That she's associated with both midwifery and... Eating Um, (laughs) eating kids. Eating kids. I guess, you know, you could think of that as sort of a metaphor of like, you know, sometimes kids die. Yeah. Especially in, like, this time period. You know, sometimes kids die. Yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes she, sometimes she gives, sometimes she gives birth to children. Sometimes she helps give birth to children. You know. Sometimes she eats children. Yeah. <laughs> you know all the normal stuff. Yeah, and there are some beliefs that mm-hmm. paint Yamauba as a remnant of a, some sort of ancient goddess. One belief is mm-hmm. that she was originally a water deity, oh. but then she fell from grace, and that was mm. sort of you know yeah, alongside yeah, yeah. the like lowering in status of like you know gods. Uh-huh. from the time, you know? And then she was given meaner attributes, which, yeah, and mountain deities and water deities were identified together. There's a hypothesis that the mountain mm-hmm. deities came down to play in the paddy fields in the spring and mm-hmm. became a deity of the paddies, then went back to the mountain yeah. after the harvest and went back to being a mountain deity the rest of the year. Interesting. And so the mountain de- deity is associated with water and, and enriching the fields. So the association of fertility from there is also clear, you know. Mm-hmm. And this association with deities also makes sense with Yamauba's dual nature, because, you know, gods usually have a dual nature. Yeah, yeah. She can be evil, do. but she can also be helpful. And there's also another theory that says that Yamauba was originally a maiden who waited on a mountain deity, and that these maidens tended to live long and eventually became old women, and then... And then they were Yamauba. And then they just stayed old woman you know, forever. They were just like old woman of the mountain, you know? Yeah, I guess. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. I'd, I'd be down for that. Right? Sounds pretty cool. As long as I wasn't like actually experiencing old age pains. You know, yeah. You just looked yeah, old. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as long as my body wasn't yeah. deteriorating, that'd be great. Yeah, if my body wasn't deteriorating, then I would love to be on a mountain. Otherwise, I think then we would run into some problems. Another thing associated with fertility about her is she's associated a lot with weaving, like I said, which is which also resulted in her being associated with spiders as well. Oh, which like it's a pretty clear association. Spiders weave webs. Yamauba weaves on her loom. Mm-hmm. Spiders catch prey on their webs, and, yeah. and Yamauba can also catch and eat prey sometimes. Yeah, she can. <laughs> but so true. Yeah, but also it's possible that spiders were considered to be a temporary form of water deities back in olden days. Hmm. So yeah, so like fertility, weaving, spiders, deities, like it's all related mm-hmm. in this view. Yeah, and so her associations with fertility are like pretty positive, and but like also sort of neutral to negative as it tends to be with deities. She can be helpful, but also feared. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty standard, yeah. Yeah. And there are also some stories where she can read minds or tell the future, which wow. I'm not going to go like too much into right now, but there will be stories like where she'll appear to freak people out by saying their thoughts out loud to them. <laughs> like just, just for fun? Yeah, like literally just for fun. Like not with the wow. intent to, to kill them. <laughs> I feel like she's just bored and she's just coming up with things to do. Yeah, which like... She's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just appear and freak this guy out now. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll go mess with these travelers. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah, but like, like, she doesn't do it with the intent to kill or eat her victims. She just likes to tease people for, for amusement, which is fun. Yeah. And Just mess around. Yeah. And it's interesting because her mind-reading abilities and her man-eating tendencies do not appear in the same stories. The stories about her killing mm. and eating people don't feature any mind-reading or fortune-telling abilities. Mm. So it seems like her 
attributes are often singular, like not overlapping really with other attributes a lot of the time. Huh. So that's fun. Interesting. Yeah. And another thing associated with the Yamauba stories is practices of abandoning old people, specifically old women, yeah, 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 on yeah. mountains to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen this in various places as a, as a potential origin story for Yamauba. Like they mm-hmm. they want revenge on people who have done this to them. Like it comes about yeah, from this which practice. Fair, yeah, fair, yeah, yeah. Which like mm-hmm. I want to start off by saying that there is no evidence of this ever being a common practice in Japan. Mm-hmm. the The practice is called ubaste or obaste, which literally means discard or abandon old women with. The uba um. from Yama Uba. And it has appeared pretty commonly in Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. But first of all, the majority of these stories have a happy ending. Or at least look at the abandoned old woman sympathetically. Mm-hmm. A common tale type for these stories basically goes like, somebody has an elderly mother or like mother-in-law or something... And decides to abandon her on a mountain for whatever reason, because she's a burden to them, because the wife doesn't like her, whatever. So they, wow. But then, but they, is it usually during times of hardship normally, or I feel like it probably is often, but not always. Like in these stories, like sometimes it's just yeah. sometimes it's like the wife doesn't like her, so she's like, get rid of her. You know, huh? That's not hardship. That's okay. just being yeah. mean. People sucking. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, the person will like change their mind. And or realize their elderly relatives value and then they will not bring them to the mountain. Mm -hmm. Turn back. Another common type, less common I think, is like the old woman is abandoned. But then she Mm -hmm. becomes wealthy with help from an oni or a deity. And then the ungrateful relatives that put her there are punished. Cool. I like that story. Yeah. So like as you can see, Obaste is looked upon negatively in these stories. And these stories read more as like kind of cautionary tales that teach people to value their elders. Mm -hmm. So like not anything that would suggest that people actually did it. Yes. Yeah. So it's less like um, here's a story about a practice that was common and more like a here's an extreme version of someone not honoring their elders so much that they like were literally just going to abandon them to die. Yeah. And like that's bad. And it's clear bad yeah which is like so absurd and like a bit of a hypothetical as opposed yeah, to exactly. like it's like a sim- it's like symbolic it's not something that really people really did yeah. or like if they if anybody ever did that it certainly wasn't like commonplace yeah as opposed to like in europe where they very much were exposing their newborns to die they were oh yeah for sure that was a big thing oh i have it in greek mythology sometimes it happens in greek mythology it was a big thing in the north and it was just you know i mean it was like because they didn't think they could care for them yeah it wasn't just for fun it was yeah, like no, it was... i don't have food to care for another child yeah. so and this one was just born so you know yeah yeah that was definitely a thing that actually happened as opposed to this which might just be more of like a metaphor or like yeah exactly oh my gosh this people were so disrespectful to their elders they were literally just gonna abandon them to die but then the elders like were able to survive and they got punished and that's why you should respect your elders you know exactly which is sort of what that sounds like yeah exactly to me and another thing to keep in mind is that for a long time life expectancy in japan was very low in 1947 the life expectancy for a man was 50 50, and for a woman it was 54 so we can probably assume mm-hmm. that it was about that or lower in like the medieval period you know yeah probably lower depending on your social status yeah. too. so like I would say. elderly people were very rare most people didn't make it to mm-hmm. old age and another thing to keep in mind which Noriko writer talks about is that many of these stories also took place at a time before people would have been able to understand dementia which oh. helps understand the Yamauba stories a lot interesting 
Yeah, because if it, if it was like you have an old grandmother who like randomly wanders into the mountains because yeah. she just doesn't know where she is or like starts yeah, yeah, not making yeah. any sense, then it's like she's been possessed by scary. a Yamaruba, you know? It is, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's scary. And like... Yeah, like dementia is scary even when you know what's happening. Like, yeah. You, you know, theoretically what's going on, it's still scary. And when you don't even have a word for it, it's definitely yeah, like, then it's oh like, my how gosh, do you my- explain it if you don't know... What's going my on? beloved grandparent or mother has or father has been possessed by a demon mm-hmm. and there, I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there would also be stories that were like, like an old woman became, became senile and became a Yamauba and tried to eat children, you know? So yeah. yeah, elderly people were rare and an elderly person with dementia or like some other condition that would cause a worsening of someone's mental state would also be uncommon and hard to understand and... So dementia could be seen as Yamauba's doing, which, like, another thing is that yokai are often unexplainable phenomena or, like, personified forms of unexplainable phenomena. So For sure. Yeah. You have to explain unexplainable phenomena somehow. somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I said, it was not, it was never a common practice. There's no evidence to suggest that it was. And it was unlikely that it ever happened. And such stories were intended to encourage filial piety. And it seems like mm. they were necessary, to be honest, because people often did disrespect their elderly relatives and consider them to be burdens. And like like you said, like in times of hardship, it is mm-hmm. difficult to care for people. And yeah. and even like in modern day Japan, there's an alarmingly high rate of suicide among elderly people. Like that's Jeez. an issue. It's awful. And I mean, like ageism is prevalent everywhere, you know. So you can yeah. kind of imagine, like yeah. And also, suicide is like you know still considered kind of an honorable form of death, um, like traditionally in Japan too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And so elderly women in folktales are rarely looked upon kindly, you know. There's always there's always room for a message about, like, treat old people better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the way we view elderly people, I mean, like, in the U.S. is really awful and, Definitely. like, concerning in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to be, like, elderly people are people and they should be treated kindly and they're not a burden and or a drain on our social value. resources yeah. and they have inherent value as people yeah and one day you're gonna be like them too if you're lucky you know yeah like not everyone gets to live you know. to like i mean i feel like a lot of the older yeah. people in these stories were like 60 you know which isn't actually old but like if everyone dies at 50 60 is gonna seem like extremely old yeah i mean or like 70 like gosh you know that's unheard of like that's such an accomplishment yeah like to reach above the life the average life expectancy yeah that's like that's a huge accomplishment yeah and i mean also a lot of the way that we view the elderly is just like also just ableism like oh these people like can't take care of themselves um they're not doing anything they're not working and stuff and it's like or like i don't want to become like that it's just like it's definitely a fear, yeah. It's just, it's all just code for, like, I don't want to be become disabled in a lot of ways. When it's like, well, if you live that way, you're almost or definitely... Like, I don't want to care for my family. Yeah, it's all, you're almost definitely going to become disabled in some way, and that's not... Shouldn't be a terrifying prospect. It should be it motivate you to make the world better for disabled people. Yeah, yeah and so Noriko Ryder gave a talk about Yamauba in Japan in 2019, and she writes about... Like, it was to an audience mostly of senior citizens... And she writes about one response she got from an elderly woman in the audience, quote, 
Senior women have no choice but to become Yamauba. They have the duality of good and evil, facing society with their instinct and grief their karma. End quote. So, yeah. with this in mind, you can consider these stories about Upastic sort of reckoning with how old women are, were treated and are treated. Yeah. And these stories can mm-hmm. have moral lessons on how to treat elderly people, but they can also be sort of manifestations of people's thoughts at the time. Like, people probably did consider mm-hmm. their elderly relatives a burden a lot of the time. And, like, that's not good, but, like, that's probably how it was at times. Yeah. And, like, regardless, there's a moral in these stories that elderly people should be treated better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and also, like, people sometimes hear these types of stories and think that it means that these practices were common in Japan, but they were not. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we've said this already, but, like, the fact that they were, that these stories were told kind of shows that they were not commonplace because it's considered to be really radical and cruel, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like all these stories are like, this is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't do this. This is bad. It's not considered to be normal. It's not even like a necessary evil. It's like something that just is like an unfathomable evil yeah. in a lot of these stories. Like, it's it's clearly wrong. Yeah, it's like the people who did this were horrifically punished. So don't do that, or else you'll be horrifically punished. Yeah. Yama Uba are figures that are defined by their duality. They can be malicious or helpful, they can kill and eat people, but they can also give birth and nurture. Yeah. And they also exist in liminal spaces. Mm-hmm. They are considered to be oni, but they're exempt from the jealousy and rage that is characteristic of oni. Yama Uba can be malicious, but she doesn't appear in many stories where she's vengeful or jealous or anything. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is interesting because I feel like my... I think that is interesting. My yeah. first kind of felt Yama Uba is that, like, they were, like, out for revenge. Uh-huh. But that's, like, really not a common feature of their stories at all. Yeah. No, 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 no. Very interesting. And I feel like if you look closely at a lot of Yama Uba stories, you can begin to understand her. Yeah. And, like, there were many stories that I read that I didn't include for, you know, time reasons. Like, there's... Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a primer on her stories. Yeah. There's many more. Yeah. Yama Uba are by nature solitary creatures, and you never see stories that contain multiple Yama Uba. Which is sad. Even though they are a type of creature and not one individual figure, they never appear in groups, and there are never stories of two Yama Uba coexisting. Mm-hmm. It's her nature to be solitary, to not feel a need to connect with people or engage in community or society. The figure of the Yama Uba is lonely. She's cast aside, feared, and marginalized. She's set aside from society geographically as well as emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I think especially if you take into account the stories of Yama Uba that are associated with elder abandonment, mm-hmm. there's something to be said for Yama Uba stories cautioning against isolating people just yeah. from a more broad sense as well. Like the women, the woman who said that senior women have no choice but to be Yama Uba. Yama Uba are separated from community. They have no one to look out for them or pray for them. And this is an essential aspect of their character. And this could be taken not only from a kind of elderly standpoint, like we were talking about, but also kind of a feminist standpoint. Mm -hmm. Because like we were talking about earlier, like women's roles were declining and their rights were limited. And that's lowly Mm -hmm. and isolating. That's also not good to do to people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, people need community. And it's also interesting, though, because it's sort of, in a way, like, opposite of women's roles, because it's sort of like, well, women are supposed to be around people to take care of them, which is also, in a way, very isolating and, like, not a nice way to live. Yeah. And so there's a way you have to be around people, um 
in a way where you're equals and you're coexisting and together in a way that's beneficial for both of you. You can't just, you know, be around people. And you're being cared yeah. for. You're not just taking care yeah, of Yeah, there's people. like that mutually beneficial relationship where, of course, you are caring for people to some extent, but also people are caring for you. Mm-hmm. Because you both deserve that level of care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though stories of Ubaste are unlikely, there's also something to be said for like the spiritual and emotional abandonment that causes people to live on the periphery of society, which then leads them to becoming mm-hmm. fearsome like Yamauba and like, mm-hmm. you know, wandering the world because no one will pray for you, you know? Yeah, for sure. And as you can imagine, Yamauba still take up important places in Japanese culture. In the Studio Ghibli film Spirited Away, have you watched that? Yes, the woman, right, with the giant baby? Yeah, Yubaba, yeah, exactly, with the giant baby. So the character Yubaba is partially modeled after Yamauba. Yubaba is an old witch who owns the bathhouse where a lot of the movie takes place, and she's the main antagonist of the film. Uh There are some differences between Yubaba and Yamauba, but they do also have some of the same attributes. Uh Yubaba also has powers of transformation. Mm -hmm. She has a son which is similar to some Yamauba stories, not all of them, certainly. Really? Okay. Yeah, there's actually one one story I didn't talk about really at all, where she is the mother of this guy who becomes kind of like a superhero-esque Interesting. figure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she is a mother sometimes, and she gave birth to the four seasons in the 12 months, you know? She is sometimes a mother. Right, right. Oh, yes, yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, and um, just as Yamauba lives in the mountains, y- Yubaba lives on the top floor of the bathhouse, you know? Mm-hmm. kind of higher than everyone yeah. else and yubaba mm-hmm. runs the bathhouse in this kind of liminal un- other world within the movie and yamauba's yeah. mountain dwelling like i said before it's also a liminal space that can be understood as a mm-hmm. kind of other world or the entrance to another world mm-hmm. and also akira kurosawa's 1957 film throne of blood i assume you haven't watched that i haven't but i kurosawa's i mean he's super famous (laughs) so that Mm -hmm. that movie has a yamauba character which it's it's an adaptation of Macbeth, actually Uh uh-huh and three the three witches from the original play are replaced with one yamauba who like tells the fortune of the Macbeth character that's really cool i'm being so normal about my proximity to a theater right now (laughs) (laughs) oh you you can't say Macbeth out loud (laughs) I can't. I'm not in a theater. I'm just being very normal about it. Oh, so you can say it, just not in the theater. Yes. Okay. The Scottish play. Yeah. Well, also you're in you're in the Netherlands, so you're fine. I mean, I'm I'm still saying Macbeth. I'm not a theater kid, so I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, but she's also associated with spiders because she lives in the spider's web forest, which is where the movie takes place. Yeah. So that's also fun. And there's also this sort of subculture of teenage girls from the late 90s and early 2000s. Really? Yeah, who are called Yamanba Gyaru, which means like Yamanba gals. Kind of. Have you heard of them at all? Like they're No. That's so fun. So yeah, the subculture began in Shibuya, the district of Tokyo, and like it was the district it's like this really big district associated with like there's a bunch of shopping and stuff and like it's not weird to like walk around in crazy clothes, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and their attributes include white, blonde, silver, or grey hair, which is often damaged or uh-huh. spiked. 
white lips, wow. panda-like makeup with white or glitter around the eyes, and a dark tan, which the trend grew from the fashion trend ganguro, which was similarly non-traditional and rebellious, like forms of fashion and makeup and stuff, but Yamanba Gyaru are distinguished by their white or bleached hair, which cool. is what earned them the term Yamanba Gyaru because their hair looks similar to a Yamauba's, you know? Uh-huh. And it's possible that it was kind of given to them like derogatorily, and then they kind of like reclaimed it, you know? Like, yeah, uh-huh. Yamauba, yeah. yeah. It's like their their appearance was meant to look kind of, you know, scary and intimidating, you mm-hmm. know, teenage girls, mm-hmm. rebellion, mm-hmm. etc. But, like, sort of, like, a protective mm-hmm. measure in a way to avoid being belittled, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. Which is fun. But that trend started dying down yeah. in the early 2000s and is pretty uncommon now. Oh, maybe people will bring it back. Maybe we'll bring it back <laughs> to this episode. We'll see. I don't know about that. Anyways, we'll see. Involves, like, really dark tanning, like, unnatural levels of tanning. Oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't think that would fly now. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. Or then, like probably, that. This, wasn't that, this wasn't that long ago. It's like 20 years ago. Yeah. I do think it's fun to kind of just like have this sort of subculture that's like really named after Yamauba. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm a Yamauba mm-hmm. gal. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like I talk a lot about this in this episode about various different aspects of the Yamauba, which developed over hundreds of years of literary traditions and, and oral traditions mm-hmm. and adapted to mm-hmm. social changes. Mm-hmm. And Yamauba-esque figures like Hugh Baba and the Witch from Throne of Blood show how the Yamauba archetype is continually recreated by applying Yamauba's attributes, which, like, not mm-hmm. trying to create faithful representations of the Yamauba, but adapting and recreating her character over and over. Mm-hmm. Which I think is nice. Yeah. It's like, she's kept alive by modern media, She's passed on to the next generation. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's how folklore works, I mean, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like a continuation of, like, the folklore tradition. Just, like, in, yeah. you know, movies and whatever else. New forms of storytelling. Yeah, and it keeps her alive in the cultural imagination, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and her longevity as a figure can be attributed to her multidimensional nature. People can apply their own interpretations onto her or, to, like, to express whatever ideas or views they have. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a lot to go off of. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she's really fun. Yeah, she is really fun. Thank you so much for this week's episode, Lizzie. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to subscribe. Tell all your friends. Please leave us a review. Donate to our Ko-fi or Spotify. And we'll be back here in two weeks with another episode. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Mytholadies podcast is produced by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. Today's episode was researched and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mytholadies and visit us on our website at mytholadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mm-hmm.